Hello and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. I'm Anand Krishnan with the Hindu in Chennai, your host for today. Tensions remain high along the line of actual control between India and China with a third round of co-commander level talks set for June 30th. Following previous two rounds of talks, disengagement is yet to happen. Attention so far has remained focused on the Galwan Valley which saw unprecedented violence on June 15th that claimed the lives of 20 Indian soldiers and the worst such violence on the border since 1967. Another standoff still remains in progress at the Pangong Tso Lake. Helping us make sense of what is happening at Pangong Tso, today we are lucky to be joined by Colonel S Dini, who for 2 years served as a commander of a battalion at Pangong Tso between 2015 and 2017. Subsequently, Colonel Dini was faculty at the Defence Services Staff College at Wellington, and in 2019 he retired from the armed forces. Colonel Dini, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Anand. It's a pleasure to be uh, talking to you, Colonel Dini. Just to give our listeners a sense of what it was like to be on the ground, what was your experience like in Pangongso for those two years? Yeah, Anand, uh, uh, Pangongso, as we all know, uh, is is located in a super high altitude area. What we call is because it's about fourteen thousand feet, and the upper reaches go right up till sixteen thousand, seventeen thousand feet of altitude. so all related issues with high altitude is very much uh, present there and that is why it is also known as the cold desert uh, area so that is the background in which both sides operate there uh-huh. and uh, regarding uh, my tenure there when i was there uh, it was a very challenging experience in the sense that you, uh, of course one has served along the uh, line of control with pakistan also but here in the in this case it is not a a, a full time adversary or, or that kind of a scenario here because uh, we do uh, have problems with identifying uh, the exact uh, location of the lacs that perception problems are there but generally and in the in most of the cases the the relations between the two sides have been co- were cordial and also uh, it was not that you know like what the general perception right now is that it's always fist fight and those kind of things it's not the generally you had peace occasionally you had uh, these kind of flare ups so uh, and also uh, definitely the scale of violence and the level of escalation which has taken place this time i have not seen uh, happening during my tenure there of course there were many occasions when uh, there were uh, you know little, little bit of uh, physical uh, violence was there but not at this scale so as far as the level of violence what we could see and as far as the chinese uh, the pla play, uh, you know placing themselves between finger 4 and finger 8 effectively blocking us from going up till our uh, claim uh, our line of actual control or our perception of our line of control which is finger 8 is 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 never uh, happened before because although yes at times they did place tens and all but that was for a few days and all and then they used to move back but this time yes effectively the 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 unilateral change of status quo is too blatant and it is uh, it is too obvious i mean there's nothing which they leave living for others to imagine they have just placed lot of structures there for us to see that yes here we are and this is where we are going to sit for the time being uh, is what their message is so that way it, it's different uh, anand so colonel dini just to give our listeners a lay of the land and what exactly 
these fingers are. So where exactly was India patrolling up to? Uh, we have tracks. And how difficult uh, has it been in terms of negotiating with the topography there? Yeah, Anand, um, uh, like uh, this series of fingers, which many of uh, your readers would be aware of now, the uh, the name itself uh, suggests you know that it is it is shaped in the form of the human fingers. That is why these uh, the the terrain uh, the the spurs which come down is in the shape of fingers, due to which they have been given names as fingers. So uh, from finger one to finger eight, uh, there are series of such uh, uh, terrain features running uh, west to east. So uh, to the west is India and to the east is China. Now uh, finger one to finger four is within Indian uh, side of the line of actual control and from, uh, from finger 8 and further east is the Chinese side of the line of actual control. Now here is the problem which, uh, which is peculiar to this place is that the Chinese have made claims till finger 4 as their line of actual control. So their, their perception of line of actual control is till finger 4 and our perception of a line of control is finger 8. So there is a distance of 8 kilometers where the entire, uh, you know, this conflict at, uh, has been happening for so many years and the current conflict also is, is because of this 8 kilometers of dispute where, is, where there is a, this classical case of differing perception. Now as far as our own post is concerned, our post is there between finger 2 and 3 and there is a road which comes from, to the, from the depth areas to our post. It is very well connected. And from our post uh, at finger uh, uh, between two and three, finger two and three, there is a track which comes towards finger four. And about a kilometer short of finger four, the track ends there. And after that, there is only a foot track which which is existing towards finger four. However, for the Chinese, they are placed at themselves at Sirijap, which used to be our post uh, during 1962. After the 1962 war, it has been with the Chinese, so they place them. They are, they, are, they have a camp there. From there, they uh, yes, uh, just about uh, let's say uh, finger eight reference to finger eight. It's just, it's about six to eight kilometers further to the east of finger eight. So that is how the so that is how uh, close it is. So from there, uh, they have made a road from Sirija to finger eight to finger four. That is uh, finger eight. Yeah, and that road was built in the uh, in 1999. When Indian troops were very, uh, you know, they, they were limited here because uh, there were troops which were sidestepped towards Kazil. So those kind of things had happened and that is the time when Chinese made this road up till finger 4. But they did not move ahead of finger 4 and that is why there is, uh, and we had constructed a road as I mentioned short of finger 4. So there is a 1 kilometer of a stretch which there is only foot track which is existing and no vehicle can cross across. So when, when we say that, you know, the Chinese have made intrusions into our area. Uh, we should understand that uh, it is not possible uh, through vehicles because no vehicle can cross over from finger 4 and move towards finger 3 because there is no road itself. So what happens is that when we go for patrolling, we have to get down in from our vehicles one kilometer short of finger 4, walk along the foot track, come into finger 4 and use the same road with the Chinese had constructed and move along the bank along the same road and reach finger 8. But for the Chinese, that's on foot. That's precisely on, uh, that's only on foot. And for the Chinese, they have the advantage and they come on vehicles right up to finger 4. So once this patrolling is happening on the ground, there is also patrolling which takes place by boat on the Pengong Lake because the line of actual control passes through the lake also. So let's say if we are going towards finger 8 uh, on foot patrol, 
when we reach finger eight, uh, our boats also come and uh, on the, uh, and they are placed and they place themselves uh, on the pengong so in the line of finger eight. And opposite us, the Chinese come and they place their boats. And similarly, the, their own patrol come and uh, receive us at finger eight. Similarly, when they come to finger four, we uh, receive them at finger four, and their boats are also uh, received at the in the line of finger four. Now this is a normal scenario which happens, and this is a normal scenario when there is no conflict. Then you are expected to show banners, which which is as per the agreement that you have, uh, that is known as the banner drill itself. There, the first banner when some when the patrols come close to each other, those banner uh, is opened and it it basically says that you are in our territory, please go back. So we have written that in English and in Mandarin, and they have they also show the same banner uh, written in English. Then after after about a few minutes of uh, you know conversation, in normal circumstances, then we say okay fine let's go back. They before going back, the second banner is opened which says okay in keeping in mind the peace and tranquility and friendship, we are going back. So similarly, the other party also immediately opens the other banner and the uh, you know both disengage simultaneously and go back. This is a normal scenario. This is the ideal scenario which which is there. Most of the times this do does take place, but at times, what happens is because of various uh, you know issues at the at the local level, and Chinese being extremely sensitive uh, in this particular area because they have always felt that they built the road, you know, they have been coming till finger four and such like things. So there, uh, they do not want us to come to finger eight uh, very frequently and all those. So they, at times they stop us ahead of finger eight. Now once they stop us ahead of finger eight, there is no way that you, you can bypass them and you know those kind of as per agreement. You know, once a person has stopped you, you have you're supposed to stop there, and you're not supposed to bypass or you know get into physical violence and then push him and then go ahead. So once they do it, it is reciprocated in kind by us because when they come towards finger four, we stop them ahead of finger four, and and that is how the conflict then starts. You know, then you will see that troops are, uh, you know, uh, the patrols are usually of ten people. Now, uh, you know, once they are standing facing to each other, that is when the classical face-off start, start, stand, starts. And uh, in a normal scenario, not more than 20-30 minutes is supposed to be there. Now, you will find that both people are not willing to move back. Before we come to the current uh, situation, just to understand uh, the, the situation on the ground, and you mentioned what happens when, when petrols encounter each other. So how often would something like that happen? And did it ever get out of hand or was it usually uh, cordial following the various protocols that both sides have put in place from your experience? See, uh, uh, Anand, um, uh, one thing is very clear that Chinese do not want, uh, like uh, they are little uh, apprehensive about our presence there. Like you must understand the psyche that uh, uh, here it was a uh, one-man show kind of a thing that they were there always, you know, they were dominating so for so many years. It is only for the past uh, few years. I mean, it's just about what seven, eight years, maybe uh, since now we have started pushing uh, our infrastructure and uh, troops there. So then, actually, the, with better infrastructure, our presence has increased. So what used to happen was maybe you know once in a month, probably we used to meet them, or twice in a month we used to meet them. Now we are meeting them almost on a daily basis. So what happens is like, for example, if uh, a patrol used to go, let's say twice a month. Now if it is going twice a week. So two times your patrol is going, so similarly two times their patrol also will come. So you are meeting them each other for four times a week. So you know, and if, if it is, uh, so that much more chances of conflict will increase. However, uh, majority of cases uh, it is peacefully resolved, even if the patrol is not allowed to complete. 
after staying there for some time and lodging a, a protest that is a verbal protest that this is not the way this is not in keeping in mind uh, friendship and all and then we move back and then there is a uh, that uh, other channel of uh, uh, BPM meetings are raised, protest is raised, and the BPM meeting is called for, and these things are then discussed there and resolved there. Uh, that is a general norm, general trend which has been there. But this kind of thing, of course, is, was uh, never uh, seen before, wherein uh, you have uh, such a massive scale of violence and mm. this is there. That is something which is quite unusual. The other uh, strange issue seems to be the timing, where every year in the spring and summer is when these incidents crop up. So what is your understanding of why is it that these events keep happening uh, at this particular time of the year? Uh, it is precisely because, you know, uh, as I uh, mentioned earlier, that this being a super high, uh, high altitude area with extreme uh, climatic conditions. So in winters, it is uh, almost, uh, it's a a absolutely, uh, I can say it's, the weather is almost cruel there. You know, <laughs> to the extent that you know, it becomes very difficult to, uh, survive uh, outside uh, in, in normal conditions. So that is why the Chinese also know that, you know, it, it is, uh, the PLA troops also know that it is not an ideal situation to, you know, uh, get into a space of and all. But in summers, uh, two things happen. One, all the infrastructure work starts in, 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 uh, in summers. You have more uh, troops in the area because uh, you, the, the annual exercises happen during that time. Third is that, uh, you know, the weather is also, uh, uh, permits you to stand off, uh, you continue uh, 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 stand off for hours together, unlike in winter. So all these things, you know, is the time when, when, when you can, uh, when you can construct an infrastructure also, when you can protest against the infrastructure. So that right. is in summer, you'll see a escalation of uh, such conflicts. So in your uh, impression, Colonel Dini, how different is the current situation in Pangong so from what you have seen in the past? Uh, first and foremost, Anand, is the scale at which this particular uh, status quo has been changed. You know, as I mentioned earlier, it is too blatant. You know, I can understand that, you know, as a policy, the PLA has a habit of, you know, uh, creeping in, but uh, I would call it as salami slicing and all those things. So that is a normal thing. You know, that is somewhere, let's say, I can understand, still understand if it happens in Galwan Valley. Uh, you know, where uh, PP14 and such like. But in, in Pengongso, where there is al already a dispute, it is right in the show window. And if you're going to come and place all the tents and structures and such for everybody to see, and then you're going to block that, that is, you know, absolutely uh, 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 a very, very uh, obvious kind of a thing that this is what we are doing. And uh, we don't respect any kind of agreements or any kind of uh, friendship and, uh, you know, those kind of that's the kind of message it is too blatant so that is why uh, uh, i am hopeful also that things will be resolved because no country can allow such kind of uh, uh, a thing happening against even if it is a disputed territory th those kind of things you know is not in the spirit of whatever friendship uh, or uh, uh, countries wa wanting to have peace and also uh, that is why i said that uh, at the start that probably this is a message a message from the chinese or the pla that something um, they want to convey and that since the negotiations are on, I think as we speak today, another round of talks are on. So during the talks, probably they want something out of it. That is why they they placed, uh, you know, they have done this or they have been hurt badly. I do not know, uh, you know, at some point of time, something has happened due to which the Chinese have done. It is not just, uh, uh, you know, just a normal uh, territorial gain kind of, or maybe like what General Vikas Singh was mentioning about, uh, a particular commander uh, at, at uh, of the PLA, you know, uh, 
over taking over initiative from his side something has happened definitely something has happened which is which has led to the current situation and that is why it is different from the uh, other issues because if you see anand you have been following uh, china for so long uh, if any other issue whether it is jepsang whether it was uh, talk everything had a reason you know there was some construction some these here uh, there is nothing which is come even if let's say they had this galwan thing theory which is there that you know we were trying to con- construct a, a feeder road but the, that was happening since so many years that the dsdb road has been there last year it was inaugurated and after that this this road also there's nothing which has started so just a, i think a bridge or something which has come up and if they had to just raise an objection to it they, as i mentioned earlier there are there are there are means to just raise an objection they can raise it in a ppm hut and then you know in the normal circumstances uh, uh, both countries who have raised an objection then you you uh, take you you make it a point that to listen to them and so that the struck the, the the construction is stopped for at least for some time so this was not that i think this is something uh, else has happened there or somebody uh, uh, some commander has uh, from the pls has has taken some initiative which was unwarranted is what i i feel so from uh, india's point of view from the what options do we have uh, as as you said very clearly uh, we look at the line of actual control at finger 8 even though uh, our control or our sense of domination was up until finger 4 so obviously it's very difficult for india to accept a unilateral change in, in in status quo so what options does india have in terms of uh, dealing with the situation at at pangongso right now uh, i feel uh, anand that uh, you know whatever st- uh, the uh, the position which the uh, the indian army and the indian government is right now is doing that that is the best case uh, best option that we already i think that is underway what a Uh, why do i say so is because firstly we have uh, of course in pangongso it was you know uh, they have just came and they uh, physically uh, occupied those i mean the place themselves but in other places we were able to stop them right there in the on the lac itself and i what i understand now is that there has been a slight disengagement uh, wherein the troops are not in uh, uh, you know eyeball to eyeball contact there so there is no issue there so secondly the posturing of forces on both sides also have happened as we know the chinese had uh, diverted a set of troops uh, which uh, usually come for their annual exercise and indians after that uh, we also have postured our troops uh, in the depth area so that uh, forces balance also is there so that in, in case if something uh, unforeseen or if somebody wants to you know uh, escalate then you know nobody one is not surprised now after having said that i am uh, of the view that you know kinetic means Uh, is the last resort, and I think we should not. Uh, many people are just jumping into that. Why not? You know, just evict them uh, physically. You know, those kind of things. I don't think we have reached a stage uh, in which you know those kind of things will be uh, necessary. Uh, because uh, firstly, the talks are on. That itself is a positive side sign that uh, both sides want to uh, you know de-escalate and get back to, no- to uh, normal situation. Secondly, uh, somehow. Uh, the indicators which uh, have come till now anand that in an unprecedented manner that this is the third lieutenant general core commander level talks which are happening rest of the political and diplomatic channels it is not coming into the media there, that there must be some cha- talks happening but this is a you know uh, this is a thing which which everybody is seeing that there is a military level talks going on and my understanding is that probably the military level talks are happening because both uh, uh, political leadership at both sides at the highest level feel that this was a military level initiated issue 
and it has to be resolved by the uh, military commanders themselves of course i understand that the directions would definitely be coming from the political leadership there's no doubt but the optics of it that you know that uh, the military commanders are talking and getting it resolved is also an in indicator of a positive kind of a thing that both sides want to deescalate our only issue which will be is in pengongso that because uh, the, the pla have just put lot of structures and satellites have been picking up you know the stories which are going around what are they those kind of things are there so now both sides uh, would be looking at a honorable exit strategy so in which you know if it is prolonged for a little longer period if the deescalation prolongs itself for a longer period that exit strategy is actually becomes ideal because if if something if the uh, if it is a uh, abrupt kind of you know if it happens in a in a thing then you know that there is a suddenly a notion of victory and you know a notion of uh, of a loss of face and all those things come into play as what what happened in dokla so my understanding is that both sides will give it a gradual deescalation and things will come back to normal but it will take some time uh, which uh, which will be away from the media glare a uh, little by little little by little the the gradual deescalation will take place and by uh, hopefully before the winter set in uh, we should find that the status quo ante as what was in april 2020 we would have achieved that if that doesn't come into play then i am sure uh, then i think we have uh, we uh, are in for a long haul and uh, i think then uh, other means and other issues will be uh, coming up uh, coming into play much more not at this moment anand kanudini as far as an honorable exit for both sides as far as india is concerned would china retaining any of the infrastructure that it has built between finger 4 and finger 8 be acceptable to india in any way i don't think so anand i don't think so that will be acceptable because that also is a change of status quo you know uh, because if uh, uh, and also i just wanted to make a quick mention about the structures uh, of course there are a lot of satellite images which were coming and uh, i would like to be little more be cautious Uh, about you know placing whether they are you know permanent or semi permanent because it is only on people on ground who will exactly know what is the kind of nature of which is the structure but as far as our stand uh, would be we have we would be uh, wanting chinese to move out with everything which they have made there so nothing should be there in between uh, you know such structures and all which which will not which will not be you know um, uh, in the correct spirit of returning to status quo ante so i i really uh, feel that once the negotiations are uh, successful and uh, we have achieved an agreement all these things uh, should be moving out uh, that's what my understanding is uh, anand but then you never know what kind of uh, uh, you know bargain and all those things happen but this is i think what is, is should be acceptable to us uh, finally kanudini uh, you mentioned uh, i think you really cleared up uh, a lot of things for us in terms of how these incidents happen in the lay of the land um now we are looking at multiple standoff points at, at different places along the line of actual control so this in of itself seems to be uh, unprecedented so in your opinion would it be fair to say given the fact that we're seeing simultaneous incidents in so many places is this something completely new and is it fair for us to assume all of this is linked in terms of what china's strategy seems to be in getting closer to its lac in all of these areas uh, definitely it is uh, uh, all these incidents uh, uh, you know one has to say that it is linked in some way or the other 
they may not be physically but then there is definitely a linkage to it which we cannot deny first second um, you know uh, my reading of this is anand that although the trigger was at pangongso but slowly but steadily it the entire uh, you know by moving of moving uh, troops by sidestepping of reserves and all those things and what what has happened is that the scale at which probably even they themselves imagined uh, now it is you know taken a level in which it is truly become strategic and you know now there are international uh, focus there so uh, that's why more and more places you are seeing contacts happening you know dapsang and all those things so now it is uh, reached the stage as i earlier mentioned that now uh, that honorable exit strategy has to be there you know so how do they show yeah um, you know it was just just uh, one or two look now that's why i mentioned that they have made all these places at various places now along the lsc and uh, there is a linkage is that you know uh, there is a messaging which is there that we mean business and we have a claim to this place uh, do not construct infrastructure which which is sensitive in our uh, in our perception those kind of things they definitely those kind of um, uh, is what the message is what the chinese are trying to convey is what my understanding is definitely the these issues are linked there's no doubt and coming to the very terrible events of june 15th colonel denny must have come as a huge shock to you uh, being on the front for so long and the fact that we have kept the peace we haven't had this level of violence since 1967 so was it something that really surprised you did you ever think that we would come to this in in the year 2020 well, definitely it came as a shock to me and actually uh, not to see so many lives being lost there and i was really disturbed for a few days uh after that but uh, to be very honest uh, with you anand you know i always had this fear that some day because uh, you know things can get out of hand you know when we were also there you are uh, you are talking of troops combat troops in close contact fighting for what they perceive is their motherland and you know uh, those kind of issues are there uh, you never know how out of this let's say 100 or people if they get together after the conflict happens so there are 100 or 100 people even so how each one will uh, uh, he, each one is uh, um, how how does a person think how does a person react at that point of time is very difficult to uh, to uh, to judge and to you know preempt from such thing so if it is within a limited level we can still manage and it is just i find that it is it was just god's grace that uh, none of the uh, uh, troops from both sides open fire there so in case you know there were questions that why didn't the uh, you know people didn't use the weapon i think it was a very good decision uh, from both sides and that adherence to that agreements and protocols uh, despite that violence which took place uh, just shows what i was mentioning earlier that most of the times there is no conflict but uh, had they used that weapon then the casualties would have been in you know hundreds it would have been much more because as you know once automatics and other things open up you never know who's firing where at which place and who's getting hit and all so that is one thing which is there uh, in the same uh, thing now i think there is a, 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 a sincere and serious requirement for revisiting this agreements now uh, on ground and i think i have written on this also before that uh, these agreements are okay till the time you know uh, our contacts were less but now the more the contacts the conflicts will rise so at least uh i know that you know asking for a border resolution is is a far fetched thing but what definitely both armies can do 
is to carry out a no patrolling zone okay this is the disputed area let's not have a patrolling here there are ways and means of doing uh, observing now you have uh, you know the uh, unmanned aerial vehicles you have aerial assets so you can carry out whether you can check out whether somebody is coming in has somebody constructed and all so physical contact of troops is not required in the disputed area so that if you have if you have at least this agreement of no patrolling zone in the disputed area i think the conflicts will be reduced to a large extent otherwise uh, i am you know i don't want to say it but it is the day is not far when you know people will actually start using uh, firing weapons also there uh, with, with the kind of nature of conflict which is taking place and of course uh, as you rightly mentioned it's not that the lac is disputed everywhere yeah. it's just that in pockets say reports say maybe in 23 or two dozen pockets Absolutely. or so where, where yeah. are differences so you think that one way for both sides uh, to look to the future would be perhaps creating these uh, buffer zones uh, where there are contested areas you think that's something that both should consider absolutely that's what i was you know i have always advocated that along the complete lac you cannot have you know no patrolling but in the disputed like you rightly mentioned it is about 23 areas where there is dispute in, and there is a differing perceptions of the line of action control in that area at least if there is a no patrolling zone it is there is no patrolling zone that both parties do not come in then you will find there is a drastic reduction in all this uh, you know kind of conflict and in the other area uh, the patrolling can uh, carry on uh, as before there is no problem there is no issue and in this area the surveillance can be done by other means so there is no problem at all so that thing at least is a practical solution which uh, you know after this if both sides uh, sit together and decide on this i think it will be a great uh, thing to for peace and tranquility along the northern borders on that optimistic note uh, kanundani thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today thank you anand it is my pleasure speaking to you and to the hindu thank you so much